The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he had said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort, a word of challenge, a word of hope, and a word of leadership for our lives. Make our hearts soft. Plant this word in us that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. Eighteen years. This woman had been crippled for 18 years. That's a long time, isn't it? I mean, think about this. 18 years, that's the same length of time from when you're born to when you become an adult. It's almost two decades. For some of us, it takes another 18 years to start to act like an adult, right? It's a, it's a long time. 18 years, that's, that's the, more than the lifespan for, for most dogs, <laughs> the length of time it takes to get through a Star Wars line uh, ride at Disney World is 18 years, or to get your kids to pick up their clothes off the floor. I asked you that 18 years ago, they're still there, right? But we look back on our lives, and it's hard to measure this time. You might look back on an anniversary, or, or how long you've been at a certain job, or in your house, and think, wow, that's so long ago, where did the time go? But this woman had been crippled for 18 years, unable to stand up straight. And we don't know her age or much about her, really, other than she had 18 years of feeling invisible, broken, feeling like an outsider, and probably feeling some measure of shame because physical ailments in the ancient world were often viewed culturally as the result of sin or something one had done wrong. But today today she shows up in the story because word had gotten out that Jesus was going to be teaching in their synagogue today and so so many people comes and 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 while many came to just hear Jesus teaching she came waiting hoping praying with this longing that had been in her heart for 18 years today was the day this was the opportunity of a lifetime and she wasn't going to miss this chance for anything. So can you see this picture? They're all gathered. They listen to the scriptures read and and Jesus teaching. And then the text says this, and just then there appeared a woman 
Now, did this phrase strike anyone else as odd? Why does Luke say it this way? Just appeared like as if out of nowhere? See, I don't think that she just kind of appeared magically or something like that. I think she was always there, but no one could see her because everyone had gotten so used to ignoring her, to looking the other way, until Jesus sees her. Jesus notices her, and he takes all that attention, all that spotlight that was on him, all these eyes, and he draws her into the center of the room with him, and all of a sudden, everyone sees her. And the Greek here is interesting. The word that's used is idu. Idu is, is like, and behold. It's the same word that's used when angels visit Mary and Joseph. Idu, it's the same word used there because it signals that something big is about to happen, something, something surprising, maybe even something holy. And Jesus speaks to her and, and he says, you are set free from your ailment. And he places his hands on her ever so gently, ever so lovingly, and she is healed. It's a scene of unbelievable tenderness, of remarkable beauty. After 18 years, she is set free. And you can just imagine the tears running down her face as she says, thank you, thank you. I was starting to fear this day would never come. And I love the end of the story because everyone witnesses the power and love of God, and it's beautiful. Until this one guy, right? This guy has to complain. There's always got to be that guy. He has the gall to speak up and to shame her and say, there are six days for healing. Go away and come back another time. Stop disrupting our worship. And you have to wonder, why on earth would he say these things? Is he rude? Maybe. Is he lacking in empathy or compassion? Obviously. Is he just plain mean? We don't know, but clearly his priorities are way mixed up. You see, he cared more about his rules, their practices, their comfort than the needs of this person in their midst. And he's operating out of this misguided perspective, citing these uh, interpretations that are a little skewed about these rules on the Sabbath that do come from Deuteronomy, from Exodus and Leviticus, but he's He's missing the whole point, Jesus says. The Sabbath is meant to bring life. The purpose of Sabbath isn't to create perfect worship or restrictive community. I'll never forget on my internship church back in Milton, Wisconsin, many weeks there was a group that came uh, that sat in the front couple pews. Uh, One of our members at that church worked at a group home for adults with various Uh, levels of ability or disabilities, and they would come in their van together on most Sunday mornings. Now, sometimes the group, some of them might have dressed a little different than you might expect in church, or they might have acted a little different than your average attendee at Hope Lutheran Church, but it was wonderful because they were loved and welcomed wholeheartedly. I remember there was one young man in the group, and he loved to say the Lord's Prayer, but he couldn't keep up with the pace and the liturgy, the rhythm of it, And he couldn't say it all on his own, but so when he came to church, we would start to pray the Lord's Prayer. When he was there, we would start to say, and we would say, Our Father, and you'd hear him repeat the last word, Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy name, like he was cheerleading us. And everyone felt a holy joy when he was there. It wasn't a disruption. It wasn't a distraction. It was the kingdom of heaven. And so as we hear this story in the gospel today, I wonder, what is Jesus trying to show us 
What is he teaching us here? And I see three core things that stand out to me. The first is, this is obviously a story about healing. What does healing look like? That's at the center of the story. And the second thing I think Jesus is showing us is how one who was invisible becomes visible. And behold, everyone noticed this person. And the third thing is Jesus reorients priorities. Sometimes we may need to reorient our priorities to make space for others to experience the kingdom of God. So let's look at this first one together, healing. Now, at first glance, this seems pretty straightforward, like a singular event between Jesus and this individual. But if we look closer, I think what we'll notice is that healing is a community event. Healing is a community event. And if we dig in, we see that healing has three interrelated aspects to it that are going on here. I want to think about this together. First, there's the physical healing. Now, this is, of course, something beyond our control. This is totally in God's hands, that physical restoration that, that only could come about through the power of God. But it's still interesting that it happens in community, in the, in the room. Which leads to the second thing, which is that there is a, there's a spiritual healing. And I think one could say it's also an emotional healing, too. Now, now if you notice, the language in Luke is interesting. It tells us that that she had a spirit that had crippled her. And now when Jesus heals her, though, he says, your ailment, you are free from your ailment. But then later he talks about this being bound by Satan. And regardless of how we understand that interesting way of thinking about it, I think the the deeper truth is that when we are sick, when we have a devastating illness or, or a disease, it takes an emotional toll takes a spiritual toll, doesn't it? And so in this moment, not only is this woman healed physically, but what we also see is that this emotional, spiritual healing begins as well. And now this also comes about by the power of God, but there's also an aspect of the community to it, isn't there? And this is where I think we need to notice it, because sometimes in our lives, when that physical healing, that miraculous cure we, we pray for doesn't come, spiritual and emotional healing can still happen and take place through the love and the care and the prayer of the community. And then there's this third aspect. She is restored as a part of the community, right? She was unseen. She was invisible, and, and, and now she's visible, and, and the behavior of the leader of the synagogue certainly gives us a glimpse into how she was treated, at least by the leadership there. But now she is seen. She's been given this new sense of dignity and value and worth. She is loved. She's brought into the center, and in the end it says this, the whole crowd was rejoicing with her. And this aspect of healing is so important for us to see because I think this is the place where God has given us the most autonomy. We always have the capacity to love. We can always choose to care and to walk with those who are struggling, who are waiting, who are hurting. Even if that physical healing is beyond our control, we always have the freedom to love. See, healing is a community event. Monday night uh, last week, or, uh, we were at council meeting and we were looking at our four strategic focus areas and, and zooming in on belonging, this idea, and we started by dwelling in scripture and this verse from 1 Corinthians 12, 26, that said, Paul writes this, if one member suffers, all suffer together with it. 
If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. I think this is why we have so many aspects of our ministry here at Good Shepherd, why we've invested so much time and energy into our online ministry, not just because of the pandemic, but reaching those who are homebound or sick or or can't come, why we take time to visit the sick or those in the hospital, why we have things like Stephen Ministers. This is why we talk so much about small groups, Bible study, Sunday school, getting connected to the community so that we can walk with one another in our suffering, but also so we can rejoice together in our rejoicing. You know, some weeks I come here and I, I'm in my personal life, I don't really have anything to rejoice about that day. It's kind of been a blah week. You know, we have those, right? But then I find that I can rejoice with someone else here because I can rejoice with you because you finally got that house you've been wanting and, and longing for for so long or because that great-grandchild was born and we rejoice together. You see, whether you're in a season of struggle or joy, when we are in community together, all of our lives become richer and deeper because of this. I mean, think about that. Some people go through so much of life disconnected from a wider community. Wandering through life that way is like looking at life on an old black and white TV. But life in community is like seeing things in full color, HD, 4K, whatever they say these days. But maybe you are in a season of waiting. Maybe today you find yourself in that, that season of struggle like this woman of 18 years, but know that you have a place here and you don't walk alone. Maybe God's word for you today is don't give up. I haven't forgotten you. Your day will come. It feels like forever, but don't give up. And in, in my ex- personal experience, God shows up the most tangibly and visibly after the longest seasons of waiting. Or maybe you're that person who sometimes feels invisible, like others don't care, but know this, you are a beloved child of God, and you matter. You are a part of this community, and you are loved. Or maybe today you're feeling great. Things are pretty good, Pastor Josh. I feel on top of the world. And maybe today you find a renewed sense of purpose and meaning in a way that you can reach out and care for others and support them when they're going through a struggle. So this week, as we go out into the world I want to ask this question, who is someone who needs to be seen or helped or healed? Who's God putting on your heart today? Because there are so many people in the world that have no one to turn to when the bottom falls out from under them. And I think many of us here, maybe all of us here have someone, but I guarantee there are folks that we cross paths with every day who don't have a single person they can call if a crisis hits. And they need a community where healing can happen. They need uh, this because we're not meant to go through life alone. There's someone out there who needs you. There's someone out there who needs Jesus. There's someone out there who needs a place like Good Shepherd where they can belong and be known and experience God's healing. So wherever you find yourself today, let's go all in so we can experience the healing power of community in Christ. Thanks be to God.